Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. And uh, hold on one second while I get uh, something going here. All right, there. I think that should do the trick. Um, you know, that's some professional. That's some professional radio in there. Good, well, good intro. Yeah, I'm liking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm multitasking. It's like we should start over. Can we just edit that and go again? <laughs> no, I, I would like to, but I can't. I'm trying to get two. Th there we go. I think that'll work. And let me just double check here. Welcome to our radio show this morning, folks. We've uh, <laughs> we've got a new host who apparently has never been on the radio before. <laughs> here, I'll, I'll I'll hit the intro again. From the capital of common sense in the heart of the Midwest, this is Carry On Guns. good now this time. Now, here's your gifted gun guru, Gary Nolan. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is Gary on Guns. And uh, Scott Van Kirk is in the background, uh, in the along with Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Why am I in the background? Why can't I be in the front and center? I, you know? I, I kind of think I just <laughs> stepped up because we're getting awful dangerous to, dangerously close to dead air. <laughs> 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 oh Lord! Uh, if only there was, if only there was something that we could, well, something in the news. Um, we've got a ton of stuff, and none of it particularly good. What's going on in Texas is uh, rippling across the country, uh, and they are pushing harder and harder for gun control. Doctor John Lott is going to be on board with us uh, in a little while, and we will uh, chat with him about some of the lies. I want to start with an email that I got from a listener uh, to my uh, weekday show. And it really, it, it really did irritate me. Uh, her name is Carol. And uh, she sent me a rather insulting uh, email. She said, I believe in regularly listening to opinion outlets with which I don't agree. I want to know your thinking. You're a glib host, and many people faithfully listen to you and only to you. There are legitimate sides to the gun debate. Good guy with a gun has been touted by the NRA for years. You are lying to your audience when you perpetuate the myth that the Aurora shooter looked for a gun-free zone. It's a myth. Research it. America is exceptional with its gun carnage. We must learn from advanced countries that control and limit the proliferation of guns. Use your platform for truth, not myths. Hmm. So I sent her an email. Uh, I have not heard back from her. But I said, in the future, question me. Don't accuse me of lying. Now here I've done your homework for you. Quote, why the killer picked the target that he did. You might think that it was the one closest to the killer's apartment or that it was the one with the largest audience. Yet neither explanation is right. Instead, out of all the movie theaters within 20 minutes of the killer's apartment showing the new Batman movie that night, it was the only one where guns were banned. In Colorado, individuals with permits can carry a concealed handgun in most mall stores, movie theaters, and restaurants. However, private businesses can determine whether 
permit holders can carry on their private property. Most movie theaters allow permit holders carrying guns. The Cinemark movie theater was the only one with a sign posted at the theater's entrance. A simple web search and some telephone calls reveal how easily one can find out how Cinemark compared to movie theaters that were closer. According to MapQuest.com and Movies.com, seven movie theaters were showing The Dark Knight Rises on July 20th, within 20 minutes of the killer's apartment at 1690 Paris Road in Aurora, Colorado. At four miles and an eight-minute car ride, the Cinemark Century Theater wasn't the closest. Another theater was 1.2 miles away, just three minutes from home. So this, I've not gotten a response from her, but clearly I was not lying, and I was irritated that uh, she would suggest that. Uh, I was telling the truth, and the whole point of this is that bad guys look for places that are soft targets where nobody will shoot back. And that's what they they almost always do. Not every time, but almost always. And you almost never see them walk into a police station and decide to start shooting people so they can make some kind of a statement. Because they would get cut down before they got very far. And that's the one thing they don't want. Uh, so if she's listening and she feels like calling, love to hear from you. But... I don't think she's going to call. She's just a rabid anti-gunner. And the same thing is what that uh, that I described here. Going someplace where nobody has a gun is exactly what happened in Texas. Went to a school. And by the way, uh, and I am not going to be defensive about my support of the Second Amendment. There's no reason for me to be defensive. If you want to, if you want to be af- upset about something. Be upset about the schools that refuse to protect the children in their care. Be concerned that they're leaving the doors not just unlocked, but open. Be concerned that they're not training their personnel. This uh, this guy in Texas, whose name we shall not mention, was firing off rounds outside the school for several minutes. Why didn't somebody train those teachers to, to close and lock their doors? They didn't. There are all kinds of other things they could be doing but refuse to do. And the net result is those children in their care are vulnerable. And I'm. Uh, if you want to get upset with somebody, don't get upset with the gun owners. Get upset with the schools. Because they're the ones that are failing our kids. Uh, Scott, I'll uh, turn it over to you for a minute or so. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, one of the big glaring things from that email is she referred to you as glib rather than swarthy. But let's move on <laughs> to the topic at hand. <laughs> um, yes, uh, frequently in most cases, but not all cases. And I think that we're probably going to see an uptick in it because Buffalo comes to mind is generally we're at a point in history where they do tend to choose um, places where they're unlikely to experience experience any resistance to what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, by the back, targets. soft yeah, targets soft and things targets. like that. But I'll also flip side to Buffalo, where the guy scouted out the grocery store, where they did have a... Knew there was armed security. Armed security. Went long, anyway. Didn't care. Right. Didn't care. So, I mean, I think I think both both factor into the um, equation, because I don't, 
I'm, I'm not so narrowly defined that I'm going to say that this is the what, what always happens. Uh, we have done a disservice in regards to protecting our children, our, our most vulnerable members of our society. I will tell you that it is up to you as community members, it's up to you as parents to really, really very closely look where you send your kids to school, yeah. what uh, policies and procedures they actually have in place. And I don't mean whitewash. I don't mean the paper tiger, paper tiger where we're like, oh, well, we do this. We have an active shooter drill every month or every quarter. Or what, are your, what are your practices? Yeah, what are your What pra- do you really do? Yeah, what have Not, you re- yeah. Yeah, environmentally, what have you done? Yeah. Um, what is your response? Um, if if then, if this happens, what do you do? Yeah. Um, because a lot of it's lip service. I mean, if you want to talk about um, school resource officers, fine. I'm not opposed to school resource officers. Although politically, I think that um, wasn't. How many months ago was it? That wasn't it's, that racist? It's racist. Just a few months ago yeah, when ra- you had racist. officers in the schools. It's racist. It was racist. Cops in the schools. So yeah. I don't know where we go with from there. Okay. Um, you do. I mean, there's simple environmental issues that you can engineer in there. One, you should only have one one access point. Controlled access. Controlled yeah. access point to your well, school. And, and that's why you don't see the police shooting, the, the shootings at police stations. Right. Controlled access. Right. You know, there, there's there, the doors aren't open. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the door you have access to is covered with bulletproof glass, yeah. you know, between you and the officer. Yeah. Generally, the, it's, generally the it's, keeper. Yeah. yeah. Generally, it's the lobby and it's open from eight to four. Right. Monday through Friday, excluding all holidays. Um, but the, uh, the schools, we don't do that with, they'll pay lip service to it. I mean, as, as both of you know, my wife, uh, my dearly departed wife was an educator, mm-hmm. um, for something like 23 years, 18 in the, um, the state of Columbia or state of uh, Missouri. And she worked at a school that I won't name where, yeah, that was lip service that he could only come in through this door. Yeah. And then you watch the kids let each other in through a different door <laughs> that isn't alarmed. Now, granted, you couldn't just walk up to that door and pull on the handle because there wasn't a handle on the outside. It was locked. Right. But fire code requires that you have a crash bar so that you can escape in the, in, when necessary. And you just watch the kids hit the crash bar and let their friends in because there's no alarm on the door right there's no one stopping them from doing it or anything else like that but that would be lip service to the environmental design mm-hmm. um for security purposes if i had to sum it up we're i'm tired of us just doing security theater yeah that what we do is what we do with our schools in general not all of them because there are a few around that do it right um is we just tsa our schools yeah we want to make you yeah. feel better. Yeah, put some put some inconveniences in place. Yeah, make make you feel like you've you've yeah. had to jump through some hoops. Yeah, but oh, I must the, be I must be super secure. Yeah, there's a milk crate holding open the kitchen door. Yeah, you know yeah. If, if you look around back. Yeah, so <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Well, there, <laughs> there is, I think, a way to really help solve the problem. You're not going to completely solve any problems like this, but you can pretty much draw it down. Uh, and I think Scott and I may disagree on this, but I think that if teachers are willing and the schools let them and they take training and work with law enforcement, that they should be allowed to carry a firearm in the building, concealed. And I think a sign in front of every door and in the parking lot is a deterrent because it tells them, the bad guys, that they're going to meet resistance. Well, and I, mean, I think that will probably 
do the most to ameliorate the problem. Well, the only potential point of disagreement on that, Gary, is it has to be a real deterrent. That's my. That's always been my position, meaning that if you are going to arm individuals and you are going to burden them, if you want to call it, or make them responsible for the safety of other individuals, boy, they better be good. They better be at a, at a level where they actually are a deterrent. And I'll go back to Buffalo. So we had a retired police officer and uh, working a security gig at what I would presume is probably an inner city um, grocery store. The shooter didn't care. He showed up with a rifle. He showed up with body armor. And uh, the security guy, God love him, he tried. Yeah, he engaged him, he en- absolutely. He engaged yeah. with without any success. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, my... So, but that doesn't deter from my argument. Doesn't det- you know, no, no, what I'm saying is, is it better be a real deterrent, meaning that... My question to anyone who, because there's plenty of there's plenty of people on our side who are like, oh yeah, we need to arm the teachers, and I would have showed up this, and I'd have shot up, showed up, and done done this. And before the show started, Larry and I were discussing it, and my response was, okay, how's your head shot? Yeah. At what distance are you able to hit? Well, the alternative, the alternative is we throw river rocks at the guy. I think the gun no. is a much better alternative. I Hang do. on, because we're up. Hold on, we're up against the clock. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. It is uh, Gary on Guns. And uh, joining me uh, in studio is uh, Scott Van Kirk, former law enforcement, Second Second Amendment supporter, and a firearms trainer as well. And uh, then Larry Wayland is on board with us this morning, too. Uh, Where's Larry from? I'm Modern Arm, Brown Station location. Thank you. Yeah. You guys through. Can I move on? Go ahead. Is it okay? All right. So uh, Scott and I were talking about having teachers that are trained and armed, uh, I argue that that is in itself a deterrent. Uh, And Scott had a couple of, um, well, I wouldn't say arguments, but... uh, Additions. Additions, I guess. So explain. Well, my additions simply are that if you're going to have a deterrent, it always has to be a real deterrent. I mean, we don't say... Well, we do sometimes, um, and it always works out bad for us. But on a foreign policy standpoint, when you draw the red line that shall not be crossed, and then they cross the red line and you don't do anything, it's not much of a deterrent, well, is just, it? Just redraw the line. You yeah, just redraw yeah, the yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> My contention is if you're going to go at that as a deterrent, then yes, you have to develop a model for the training, for the policy, for the selection, for the continuing uh education slash training of the individuals who are willing to do that it's not just a one and done but by simply eliminating the the federal ban on firearms um concealed carry permit in 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 the schools mm-hmm. by, by eliminating that safe schools act mm-hmm. that didn't do anything to make it safer just made it a gun-free zone right. for people that were following the law mm-hmm. that would be a good step instead of instead of adding new gun regulations Shooting people's already a crime. You know, mm-hmm. more more laws aren't the solution to this. Oh no. It, it's no. it's cultural change and it's it's change at at how we look at securing the schools. Well there are other schools in the country, several in Texas, they're in Colorado and Ohio. You can do it. I think there are some even in Missouri. Oh you can you can where they have armed personnel. Yeah. Yeah. And so far there have been no problems. No student has gotten their hands on a gun. No teacher has gone shooting the place up. Uh, and no one has been harmed at all. Uh, in fact, 
Um, No one has gone into any of those schools to shoot them up. Uh, Because we all know that you would go to the place that bans guns. You wouldn't go to the place that doesn't. It is a deterrent. And if you don't let them, if you don't let them uh, uh, train and carry, if you don't let some of those faculty members uh, do that, then you're stuck throwing river rocks and erasers at people who are carrying guns and rifles. Uh, I think you're in a much better position if you have uh, teachers and uh, personnel that are armed. Oh, and I don't. I I agree with you. And like I said, my only contention on that is that they actually be a real deterrent. I mean, they're capable of delivering the force that needs to be delivered if, in fact, the worst your worst day happens. Yeah. And I also would contend that this is not a federal issue. And I also contend it's not even a state issue. The only thing the state needs to say is we we fully recognize that local jurisdictions, i.e., school boards, can authorize this and leave it at that. Yeah. And well, at, I think I think it can be a federal issue. The federal government blackmails states all the time. If you want our money, you have to do this. If you want us to send you a check, you have to do that. They do that to schools right now. The and, federal government can tell the schools in every state. If you want this money from the Department of Education, you have to allow faculty and staff who are willing to conceal carry. No, and be no, absolutely not. Because at the federal level, then they will impose their own restrictions yeah. and their own model leave of it, how leave it local. How this should be done. I didn't argue that they should have that right. I just said they should be able to blackmail them into doing it. And if they and how they will blackmail them into doing it is they will establish the standards. Yeah. You've never worked for the federal government, Gary. I've watched <laughs> I've watched them very closely. I've worked and I for I understand them. what you're saying. <laughs> but I'm telling you that it can be done. That's my argument. It can be done. The federal government, the Department of Education can say they can. And I and and and, and, and that's my point. And That's they'll be point. every bit as successful as every other federal-level program they've ever yeah, implemented. No, no solutions come out of Washington. Well, yeah. the one thing that they have been sex- successful at is blackmailing states. So, you know, let's at least hope that somewhere along the line, somebody in Washington says, you know, this is the real solution. I know it's a long shot. I know it's almost impossible because they are the federal government. But it can be done, was my point. All right. We're up against the clock. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, Scott Van Kirk on board with us. Uh, and uh, along with Scott, we've got Larry Wayland from Modern Arms. I say we, we, we at, got at the Brown Station, Station location. location. Jeez, you guys are like, <laughs> <laughs> we're all off a of beat it's, this morning. It's like professional radio, <laughs> we come back it's from, got us doing it. Yeah, Can we go back from that break again? Do you want to do that? We did that once already. Oh. Oh, every, all right, but this time they screwed up, not me. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> we're... We've been talking about this thing in Texas that everybody is talking about. I don't care if you're at Fox News, MSNBC, talk radio, everywhere they are talking about this. And as the information about what happened in Texas begins to come out, uh, there seems to be more and more outrage. um, Because it turns out that this guy was outside shooting for several minutes. These teachers, this teacher didn't lock her door. Somehow, she didn't think that was necessary. I don't know about you guys, but I hear that kind of gunfire. 
if I've got a secure door, I'm going to close it. Uh, but she didn't. So the training was poor. Uh, and I want to put people's minds at ease in Colombia because I have participated in, in these uh, uh, exercises that in, included, if I'm not mistaken, the Sheriff's Department, Columbia Police, uh, the Boone County Fire. I mean, everybody was involved in this. And they did active shooter training, and it was pretty thorough. Uh, so, you know, if there's a response, I, I, I believe that, you know, in Colombia, you're going to be safe. Or at least safer than in places like this town in Texas. That said, they waited more than an hour to go into that room. Scott, there, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe there's something that we don't know. No, uh, no. What? Well, I I did a little study on this because I was a cop in the Columbine era, and uh, me and my old SWAT commander and I uh, did. We trained about two thousand police officers in uh, West Central Wisconsin post Columbine in active shooter response. Well, that about, Columbine a, was was the pivotal point when when right. active shooter response changed. It, right. it, before that, the the doctrine was barricade. Yeah, treated as a barricade subject. Yeah. yeah, and 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 Columbine turned that on his head. Right, and that first one there goes. Yep. First, first or second, because yeah. the the only thing is is as you respond, first officer on the scene. If uh, there's two schools of thought, and to be honest with you, as the first guy on the scene, you make the decision. Because yeah. guess guess who's in charge? You are first guy who gets there. Yeah. So if you get there. And you find yourself at a quick. You find yourself at the initial entry point, and you can engage the sus, suspect with a ballistic response. You immediately begin to to uh, engage him. The thinking being, if he's shooting at me, he's not shooting at anybody else. Yeah. Um, if you get there and you don't have an immediate ballistic solution, it's on you whether you want to go towards the sound of gunfire or you wait the however long it takes for a second for number so, two to show for number two yeah but once there's two yeah there's ne it's no longer a it's question down the hall it's down and the hall toward, and away, yeah, and away towards you go. the door yeah. yeah so the first person you got to decide it's up to it because it's a, circumstances very much will dictate that yeah. but once the second officer gets there you go yeah and they can start to backfill you after that but to be perfectly honest with you you have to Get in there, and you got to get in there fast. You look at nationwide response times for law enforcement; they average about four minutes, yeah. um, and that is faster in some cities, brought down by some counties because of the lar you know, larger yeah, distances just, to travel yeah, and everything else like that. But you go towards the sound of guns, and all you do is, you, I mean, you step up, you, you grab onto them, and you you head on in, yeah. and you engage them so that they. Now, so you're now the target, yeah. basically. So they are, if they're shooting at me, they're, they're not, not shooting, shooting at anybody else. Yeah. And hopefully, I have the skill level um, to be able to terminate the threat um, very quickly, very very quickly. Because, like I said before, how's your headshot? Yeah. Because um, we're talking body, we're talking handguns against body armor, yeah. and it that's a that's a poor equation that lead generally leaves you with a headshot leaves, leaves you with a, what they call a B8 center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> T zone. Yeah, that's that's all that's all you've got. And so we did this training. We did an 8-hour training for literally thousands of officers over the course of an of a of a in-service cycle. But then mm, almost nobody ever came back to they didn't they never skip put it on the in-service schedule again. Right. They never um, 
very few departments contacted us or other people like us and said, hey, could you come in and do some refresher training in regards to that? What do we need to do from a model policy and everything like that? Because you have to remember, law enforcement is is like many other aspects of government. We only run over and stamp out the fire yeah. after it's already a fire, and then we we throw some training at it, even no matter how high the quality of training is, we throw some training at it, and then, oh my gosh, over there, there's a different fire. Yeah. And we run over and put that out. Well, and, and they're they're pulled and pushed those directions by, by circumstance that happen, mm, yeah. and, and the, the, the media cycle, political, yes, I, yeah, yeah, the funding, right. they're, they're, they're pushed like that and pulled that way in, in various directions yeah. to the, the hottest fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, absolutely. And, you know, we see that um, out of our out of our federal legislatures. Mm. You know, they're, they're wanting to push new laws restricting Second Amendment rights as a result of this, you know, because it's a hot fire and we can, you know... Mm-hmm. It, take advantage of this tragedy unfortunately that's that's the the department of education handed out literally billions with a b billions of dollars uh over the uh, china flu they could have you know at the very least and we were talking about this earlier where i said they could blackmail these schools they could at the very least with that kind of money pay for a couple of uh trained law enforcement to protect those schools uh in front of the schools in Israel. And it's a myth that not all the teachers are carrying guns in the schools in Israel, but in front of every school, uh, there's at least uh, one or two well-armed personnel there to protect the schools. Well, I saw an an interesting one, and this was from uh, uh, Rob Pincus, who's a national-level trainer. I can't remember the name of his school off the top of my my head, but it really doesn't matter. he has grandchildren who go to an elementary school that just happens to be across the street from a police department, which is a good location for an elementary school. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then he went on to suggest that, you know, barring that, why don't we have, um, you know, very, why don't we have small trailers that we pull into the parking lot of all of our schools and set up police substations? Yeah. So at the very least, the police are coming through on a very regular basis, stopping off, doing a report, taking their lunch break, grabbing a cup of coffee, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Because at, at the very least, the very least, we have a much quicker response time because there just might be a cop there at the time yeah. and could be, a de- could be a deterrent. And I'm all for things that reasonably can be deterrents from the signs out front where you have teachers who are trained and armed to the fact that the police are around on a regular basis. But then again, let's not forget, having police in schools is racist. So <laughs> yeah. you've got to just... Well, several months ago it was. Yeah. Now, well, now I don't know if it is now or not. Right, yeah. 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 Well, but but the res- you're correct. The, re- the, the response in Texas was what we call a pre-Columbine response. You go in. And that was, I mean... Part of the lecture portion of the course that we taught was, listen, hey, this might not be the job for you if you don't realize if someone's being shot, especially children in a school, you got to just go. And it doesn't matter. Your life no longer matters. You need to do it as fast as you can, and you need to try and put them down. And if that results in you getting injured or killed, oh, well, you put the badge on just like I did that day. Yeah. Well, the the fact that they... Uh, you know, waited an hour. I mean, I don't know how. There were people outside who were volunteering to rush the room. Uh, they were tased and handcuffed 
uh, for interfering. I can imagine. Uh, I actually can't imagine. Oh, I'm not going to. How def- terrifying it must have been for the parents and family members watching this unfold and seeing nothing happen. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to. I will tell you that the fog of war is heavy, but I will also tell you that in this particular case, the fog of war did not matter. Essentially, if you had followed the post-Columbine protocol, then the this pro- would have worked out much better. All right, potentially. Hang on, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna go up against a break here, and then we'll take some calls and continue the conversation. John Lott is going to be with us. More guns, less crime. On Gary on guns. Hey, welcome, Larry Whalen on board with us this morning from Modern Arms at the Brown Station location. See that you got your timing back. You got Thanks. your mojo back. <laughs> Scott Van Kirk is with us, former law enforcement and a, uh, a firearms trainer. And uh, we are, of course, talking about this incident in Texas. Uh, we're talking about that long delay an hour. I just, I cannot imagine what it was like for those parents, uh, or even for the for the law enforcement officers. I don't know how they could stand hearing the gunshots. Uh, heard some horrific stories about what went on in that room, and they waited more than an hour to breach. Scott says that is not what the training uh, indicates you should do. Let me go to the phones. Gary is on the line. Gary, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Hey, good morning, Gary. Um, I agree with you guys on the uh, teachers that want to carry or can carry. Um, On that, however, I think there should be a yearly training session that they have or course that they have to pass on police officers. I'm thinking a year or two, uh, there should be a course that they have to uh, again, pass on on this kind of a situation. Excuse me, wait one second, Scott. Put the gun down. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I was Go listening. Ahead, uh, I think it should be more training than once a year. I think it should be an ongoing thing. Right. Um, so do I. But you have to have that training because you can't. It's not something you can do once and and just you know forget about it. And with the police department with turnover on on employees. You know, uh, one guy may have it, the next guy may not. Uh, and lastly, uh, my brother called up. He apparently ho- heard uh, a Joy Reed's remark about the uh, AR, and he says, if a drunk guy was driving a Tesla and mowed into a bunch of kids, would they try to outlaw Teslas? No, they'd go after the drunk driver. So why is this any different? Yeah, and well, I kind of agree with that. Well, my analogy is the fork analogy. If you know, most people get fat eating with, and they use a fork. Will we ban the fork to stop yeah. obesity? No, of course not. Gary, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Um, and I don't, and I don't even go down the analogy road anymore because here's the thing: nowhere in the Constitution does it talk about a Tesla or a fork. Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, funny you should, <laughs> funny you should mention that. Whoopi Goldberg uh, was on her high horse. Um, and uh, she made reference to the Constitution and probably one of the worst arguments I'd ever heard. Listen, she said, I want to thank Governor Abbott because he signed 22 bills this year, making it easier for mass shooters to buy, carry, and own guns in his state. She's being facetious, but she's also wrong, by the way. We'll go into that. Clearly still fuming at the uh, uh, Roe v. Wade decision, Goldberg according to Bearing Arms, mocked the Supreme Court Justice uh, Justice Alito with her next point. Actually, she said, let's invoke some Supreme Court logic, too. 
Alito says abortion's not in the Constitution. Well, neither are AR-15s. So I guess the Constitution doesn't cover them either. Uh, she goes, <laughs> wow. She's, yeah, she's talk about ill-informed. Okay. Get people who are going to look and say, okay, we don't have uh, to have AR-15s, but I want to keep my shotgun because I still hunt. Okay, you can have your hunt, but you can't have your AR-15. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I yeah. really appreciate no, that. No, Mr. Goldberg, you don't get to choose that. Yeah, say, I really appreciate you being the arbiter of my constitutional rights. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, the as, as Bearing Arms points out, uh, this uh, killer was 18 uh, and does have constitutional carry, uh, but that only applies if you're 21 in Texas, which means that he couldn't lawfully carry a firearm. So it's already against the law. Not that murder isn't already against the law. Uh, and then uh, Texas has never restricted gun purchases in any way. Like most states, they adhere to the federal rules on the topic. But while states have generally been found to be able to make things more strict, Texas never did. As such, there's literally no way he actually made it easier for anyone to buy guns during his tenure as governor. So she's wrong again. And then there's the AR-15. You know, I'm going to turn this over to Scott Van Kirk. Uh, she said it's not in the Constitution, AR-15s. No, no. Specific... Uh, models of arms are not in the Constitution. No, but the and right to keep, keep and, and bear, bear arms, arms yeah. Yes, yeah. That yeah. Is, is in the Constitution. Is in the Constitution. Yeah. So she expected them to list every firearm you could have? Uh, in, indeed. And then I would only guess that she must also believe that we have to list every form and communication device and form of technology and everything else that would be covered under the First, First Amendment. Amendment. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they didn't envision it because at, at the at the point that the that the Bill of Rights was yeah. written, the only thing the mass production was printing press. Well, right? even even you know yeah. the practice of religion, uh, Mormon uh, religion came into being as I understand it a after oh. the Constitution was written. Good point. So Good point. the whole the whole Mormon faith would be right because no, yeah, would not be protected they by, did not because it, it did not they did not envision that that faith. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Note to Mitt Romney. Uh, Larry Whalen says uh, <laughs> <laughs> that the Mormon religion is, and is <laughs> not, not, not constitutionally this, this protected. Not, not constitutionally protected. Wow. <laughs> oh. so, so, I mean, this is what happens when the left get out there and start rambling about things they have. They don't they don't know what they're talking about. And then finally, there's hunting. If you want to hunt, you can keep your shotgun, but you can't have the AR-15. Again, thank you for arbitrating my constitutional rights. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't hunt. I haven't hunted anything since 1994. I don't, I'm not a hunter. Yeah, it yeah. never was about hunting. Yeah, and and, I, and again, the Constitution. Oh, what amendment is hunting? Yeah, hey, what is it? Is that a hunting Constitution? Yeah. Is that the 18th? No, yeah. 27. No, no, it's not in there. 43rd. No, no, 43rd. Yeah, 43rd amendment to the Constitution. Does it she, was hunting? Yeah. Does she really think that we got the Second Amendment so we could go hunting? Apparently. I mean, is is she really that stupid? Apparently, apparently that's apparently we were breaking. Uh, apparently, we weren't breaking away from the British Empire. We were um, breaking away from some whitetails that were ruling yeah. us. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just frustrating. But according to Joe Biden, you know, the deer may or may not be wearing may or may not, not be wearing body armor. Body yeah. armor, yeah. 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 That's so right. yeah. again, 
And again, how's your headshot? Yeah. <laughs> Take that shotgun outside and uh, fire around uh, outside in the air. Take your two-shot shotgun yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, there's a stroke of genius for buy, you. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. So is there anything that's been proposed that you guys think would help to to stop this? Is there anything that they've proposed that you think would... It, there's not a legislative solution. No. Yeah. Yeah. To, no? to, to evil and, and violence. Yeah. Um, what about getting uh, a certification from a doctor that you are mentally fit? Uh, would that help? Hello? I, help. I, I don't believe it would. You're suggesting that before you buy a firearm, you would need a a psychological well, evaluation? Yeah. Well, I'm just... Huh. Before, uh, you, well, before you pray to your God of choice, you need to do what, what, and what? What? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I'm just saying that in Israel, they make them do that before they can get a gun. Mm. Does that help? I'm just looking for solutions to this problem. I don't see one legislatively. Show and tell is coming up, and Dr. John Lott will be with us at about 9.30. You're listening to Gary on Gun.